I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Good morning. It is Thursday, December 3rd. You're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. I'm joined, I believe, for the first time ever on the College Football Daily by Ryan Callahan, longtime Tennessee recruiting reporter for Go Vols 24-7, current leader in our network's fantasy football league. Ryan, thanks for joining us today. Hey, Trey. Thanks for having me. And and I got to correct you, not first for long, because I'm definitely losing this week in this extended week 12. But, you know, hanging on to that first place for now. Well, uh, enjoy it. I won it last year and uh, you get bragging rights for a year. So today's episode, I don't want people to think that I'm trolling for topics. Ryan talking about a Tennessee class that is currently 14th in the 24-7 sports composite team recruiting rankings for the class of 21. So 14th overall. At some point in May this year, they were number two. So we're going to talk about that. But I first want to maybe give you the opportunity to, if you believe it, tell us that they probably weren't going to stick with a top three class anyway, regardless of how the on-field result looked this fall. Yeah, exactly. Even before any of this stuff happened this season, they had really slipped to the bottom of the top 10 and, and just outside the top 10 recently. And, and that really didn't have anything to do with what Tennessee's season had done. It was more just about the fact that other teams had caught them. Um, part of why they were ahead uh, in the spring was they just had a higher commitment total than most teams across the country. We thought Tennessee had a very good class at the time and had some very good players in it. Uh, but it looked like a class that once the dust settled, once everybody else caught up to them, uh, would would probably be more in line with the top 10 class, pretty similar to what they had last year. Uh, and that's that's kind of been the case. Uh, now, that that being said, obviously losing some guys as they have to last week will will add to that. But it, it was a class that if they had held on to everybody as is and, and maybe added a little bit more, would have been somewhere in that top 10 discussion and, and not the, the top two class that you saw for a little while there during the spring. Yeah, they were number 10 earlier. I guess last week, two decommitments, as you mentioned, including one five-star linebacker, Terrence Lewis. How much did the two and five-star affect his decision to back off that verbal pledge with the balls? Yeah, so I, I don't know that – you can't rule out that it played a, a role in either of those decisions. But you know, certainly uh, you know, Terrence Lewis, the five-star linebacker, was the one that really got people's attention. Uh, last week, four-star cornerback Demarius McGee from, from Pensacola, Florida – also decommitting on Thanksgiving. And, you know, both of those were big deals. Uh, McGee in particular, he, he, it's, it's crazy to say this, he might be the bigger deal in some ways for Tennessee because they've really had so much trouble addressing cornerback uh, in, in the past couple of years. And then Lewis, you know, good player, um, obviously the five-star, going to get more people's attention, but just that position and what you can sometimes find at linebacker, maybe not maybe not quite as big of a deal for Tennessee as, as losing a, a top 100 cornerback. So both of them really hurt. Um, but especially McGee because of that. And because um, you know they, they've still got maybe a shot at getting back both of those guys, but McGee maybe a little more realistic, but uh, I, 
I don't know, though, that either was really directly because of the two and five start. And that's what makes this so interesting. The timing certainly gives the impression from the outside looking in that it's Tennessee's class starting to crumble when the reality is probably at any point in the last couple of months, I would have told you those were the two shakiest commitments in Tennessee's class even before their season really started to kind of spiral downward. So certainly the loss is very well could have contributed. You can't say for sure that they didn't. Um, but, you know, McGee, about a month after he committed to Tennessee, LSU offered. And LSU since then has looked like a serious threat. Um, and in Lewis's case, some other teams have been in the picture. And now it sounds like Auburn, another SEC team, is a factor. And that's, that's maybe what's, what's, what we'll find out, I guess. But that's maybe what's led to some of this. Uh, we're still trying to maybe get a better feel for what Terrence Lewis is thinking and why, you know, exactly what went into the D commitment. But certainly – uh, another SEC school getting involved could be a part of that. It's nice that you had to cover a decommitment on Thanksgiving. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of, it, you mentioned LSU got me thinking, Ryan, there are schools out there that, and, and I know we, you know, totally understand your point about these decommitments might've happened regardless. There are other schools who can withstand, you know, not good seasons. Mm-hmm. LSU, um, I, you know, there, there are others out there. And they don't get, you know, totally penalized for having a bad year. But Tennessee isn't one of them, especially when you're building a young program or like a, in the beginning of a coach's era where your your goal is you're going to get a few good recruiting classes when you start out. You've got hope to sell. You've got optimism. You've got a lot of energy, right? Number 10 last year, um, I think just outside the top 10 the year before. But that was really good class in 2019 with those two five-star tackles and, and – um, and, and I, I liked like some of the guys there, but Tennessee, like this was the year for them. If they were going to establish themselves as a, as a true recruiting threat in the sec. And, and as you know, to do that, you need a top 10 class. This was the year that was going to happen and it doesn't. And then the optics of that, like Jeremy Pruitt really, I guess could not have afforded a skewed year. And in doing so he's got himself on the hot seat for 2021, probably. And I imagine that's going to make it really hard for him on the recruiting trail. Have you seen that yet? Yeah, so so we've started to see maybe a little bit of that. I think you've started to see it maybe in terms of Tennessee. The biggest thing is just Tennessee not not winning some battles that it had put itself in position to have a shot at going into this fall. Um, you know, We saw them in the mix for guys like Tyrion Ingram-Dawkins, uh, the top 100 defensive lineman, ends up picking Georgia. At one point earlier this year, he was ready to commit to Tennessee and then held off on announcing his decision uh, back in May or June. So uh, that's obviously one where the longer a recruiting battle went, it shifted a little bit, but that's a guy that they had a real shot at and and were maybe poised to get at one point, and then he ends up picking an SEC rival after the season's underway. So uh, things like that, I I think, you know, have, have maybe not been directly related to just the season, but certainly because they happened after the season started, you have to think Tennessee's results at least playing into them, uh, it, definitely a factor. So I, I, I think that's where you've seen it most so far. But to your point, you know, the 2022 class could be a bit more of a struggle for Tennessee than this year's class certainly has been uh, because of this season not going the way they, they would like it to. You know, they, they need some uh, – they've got a pretty good in-state class in 2022. They, they need some guys in that class to sort of jumpstart things for that class that it hasn't happened yet. Um, we'll, we'll see maybe early next year. But – Having a, a losing season, which looks like is what they're headed to as long as they don't win out, 
um, that's that's going to make it tough. And that's where I think you've seen it most, more so than the the decommitments, which, as you mentioned, a couple and two in, in the past week. But I, I'm not sure it turns into more than that. But we'll, we'll see. I'm sure your life gets a little bit more difficult. You're enjoying your Saturdays. They win the first two weeks. They're up at halftime over Georgia. You're like, wow, my my recruiting reaction piece on Sunday could be really <laughs> cool. And then this tailspin happens. What What is the Tennessee message right now to its committed players and and to its uncommitted or to the guys left on the board? Like, what what was Jeremy Pruitt selling right now? You can't really sell what you were selling in the off season. The improvements yeah. have not been made, but. I would imagine maybe it's, Hey, come in. We, we need some, got a great chance for playing time. Yeah. I, I think that's, and that's definitely part of it. I, th- I think you, you shifted a little bit to uh, as with any losing season, probably you, you say, Hey, you can come in and be part of the solution. Um, and I think in some cases that, that really does make a difference. Uh, you know, one example would be Caden Salter, uh, the top 50 prospect overall in the, in the 2021 class a four-star quarterback from Texas, uh, he's been one of the kind of the linchpins of this class and, and Tennessee, I, I don't think he's really wavering on his commitment at all. And one of the reasons is he sees a chance at Tennessee to come in and compete for the starting job, probably from the time he gets on campus, uh, in January. So that's, that, that makes a difference at some positions. And then some other guys, I think you, they're still, they're still selling what they're doing. Interestingly enough, uh, you know, I, I don't get the sense from most of Tennessee's commitments and, and maybe this has to do with how many teams are still, chasing them or not or not chasing them but they, they they've still been able to convince most of most of the players in in their class i think that that this this staff still has a has some good things going and that, that this year may be a bit of an anomaly um i don't know that you sell the fact that you know this is a you know covid year where everyone's had to deal with guys being out because of contact tracing and things like that but that that's that's been a factor in their season no doubt so i'm sure that's uh, that's helped to explain it to some of those guys. But yeah, I think the ones who have more of a front row seat for this, I think they sort of understand it's, it's a team that's flawed, but it's also a team that's just, you know, they, they led Georgia at halftime. They led Arkansas at halftime. They were tied with Auburn at halftime. They've just let games get away from them in the second half. So I think some of the guys I've spoken with have said, you know, I don't think they're just a terrible team. They just, they just got to fix some stuff basically. And, and so they see a program that's not irreparable, but just, having a rough stretch, and if they get their offense fixed especially, there's certainly a chance for a rebound next year. The College Football Daily will be right back. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices... Well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'm glad you brought up Caden Salter. We'll finish with him, a little positivity to to end the podcast. This is the number six dual-threat quarterback in the country, kid out of Texas. Ryan, how does he factor in? You mentioned the playing time. I would assume he factors in 
pretty heavily into the quarterback battle next year. Jared Guarantano hasn't been good. Hard to see him in Knoxville again if he you know uses that extra year of eligibility. Harrison Bailey, I don't know what the verdict is right now, but if it does feel like I would think that Tennessee needs to massively upgrade that position. And Salter comes from a program at Cedar Hill and a state in Texas that is like renowned for making sure they're like these guys have, you know, private quarterback coaching since you know the sixth grade. Like he will be ready. Do you see him jumping into the mix immediately? I, I think so. For one, you know, like a lot of quarterbacks these days, he's an early enrollee that that helps your chances. Um, and another thing, though, let's see what happens down the stretch. These final three games for Tennessee, if you know, assuming they all get played, could be a, a big deal in, in kind of setting up next year. Um, because Harrison Bailey, the the freshman you mentioned, another top 100 prospect in last year's class, he hasn't really gotten a chance to to play more than in just the the kind of the second half of the fourth quarter in three games so far. If he, if he gets to play more and there's a real chance maybe he makes his first career start Saturday against Florida, um, maybe that puts him in better position going into the offseason. But I, I'm expecting kind of a wide-open battle. And, and like you said, that, that quarterback room could look quite a bit different this offseason. Uh, you might have instead of the four current guys, you might have you know a couple of them, Harrison Bailey, may, maybe another sticks around, and then – you know, a, a freshman in Caden Salter and perhaps even a transfer for depth purposes, if nothing else. So it may be a very different looking room. Uh, but I think Bailey's got a real shot at winning that job. Uh, if not, you know, going into the first game of his freshman season, pretty early in his career, I think could very well be a factor because of the athleticism he brings. And really no one else in that room has that to the extent that he does. And he's got a really strong arm too. So he's a raw kid who ideally wouldn't be a day one starter probably, but given Tennessee's quarterback situation I, I, th- I think it's hard to rule out a guy that talented and just what he could bring and how much different their offense could look with a guy with his with his mobility all right ryan we appreciate you joining us at less than two weeks till signing day a big finish for jeremy pruitt on the trail you know try to get a win or two in the next few weeks if, if they play them as you said and then i think 2020 will 2021 i should say will be a a, a seismic year on Rocky Top. We appreciate you joining us. Our producer is Michael Moore-Mile. I'm Trey Scott. We'll talk to y'all on Friday for the next edition of the College Football Daily. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.